The following sermon was delivered by Senior Pastor Reverend Dr. Scott Black Johnston in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday, in person or on live stream. For details, go to fapc.org. And now, here is Reverend Dr. Scott Black Johnston. Our text for this morning is a famous passage from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, beginning with the sixth verse. Listen now for God's word to you. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this past Thursday, the Black Johnstons turned on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and between the, the floats and the bands and the balloons, we watched various Broadway musicals perform for the crowds at Herald Square. Leading off was The Lion King with its showstopper, The Circle of Life. With a sprinkling of artistic magic, those graceful puppets, zebras, giraffes, an elephant, and gazelles turned West 34th Street into an African savanna. At the center of it all was the priestly mandrill, Rafiki, singing, dancing, and finally holding aloft the newborn lion cub, Simba. That's how the performance ended. <laughs> All the animals bowed to the princeling, to this future king of the beasts. Cue the applause. I've always found the moment when Rafiki raises the cub, be it animated or on stage, to be quite powerful. Something inside me leans forward to gaze at the animal kingdom's new ruler. So, something primal asks, will this be a good king? A, a leader worthy of all this honor and respect and bowing? Every time there's an election, I think we ask questions like that. We dare to hope. Maybe this will be the leader that we've been waiting for. Maybe this politician will usher in a time of, of well-being, prosperity, peace. 700 years before the birth of Christ, during the time of the prophet Isaiah, the people of Judah 
longed for a good ruler. Their current monarch, King Ahaz, was a traitorous disaster, a cowardly man with no moral compass. Critical of Ahaz, Isaiah forecasts a political change. On those who walk in darkness, a light has shined. And, and then Isaiah whispers his most famous phrase, unto us a child has been born, a new king will soon sit on the throne of David. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. My guess is that George Frederick Handel isn't the only person who, on reading this passage, imagined people running through the street shouting, Hallelujah! Yes! Yes! This is what we need. This is what we so desperately want. Finally, a good king. Hallelujah! Today, we're going to focus on the first of the four titles that Isaiah gives to this newborn king, Wonderful Counselor. Oh, and trivia buffs, take note. Handel got this wrong in his oratorio, The Messiah. The Baroque composer mistakenly put a comma between the words wonderful and counselor. You know how it goes, wonderful, Counselor. <laughs> Handel suggests that the new king is both a wonderful person and also some sort of counselor. But in Hebrew, the two terms are stuck to each other. Wonderful modifies the word counselor. In fact, some argue that the best way to translate this title is counselor of wonders. Interesting, right? Yeah. What? is a counselor of wonders. Biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann gets our investigation started by explaining that counselor in, in the Hebrew Bible does not refer to a therapist. When, when Isaiah uses the word counselor, he's speaking about a government administrator. A counselor is an official who sets public policy. Public policy? <laughs> Now hold on, the, the, the prophet blows a trumpet to announce an exciting new king and, and the first promise that Isaiah makes about this young ruler is he will be a bureaucratic wonk. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's what you're pitching to those who are desperate for change? Can a government administrator draw us out of the deep darkness? C can public policy be wonderful? That, my friends, is a good question. It's a relevant question in Isaiah's time, and it's an especially pertinent question now. Generally speaking, public policy refers to the laws, regulatory measures, programs, and, and funding priorities that a society uses to advance the common good. And of course, 
this definition begs the question, what happens when public policy becomes ineffective or downright corrupt? What happens when the common good becomes not so common? This is exactly the sort of thing that was on the mind of the people in Isaiah's time. In 732 BC, the ruler of Judah, King Ahaz, took a trip to Damascus. And once there, Ahaz kneeled and swore fealty to a foreign king, Tiglath-Pileser III. Ahaz, you see, was, was impressed by this brutal warlord. It's never a good sign, is it, when your national leader takes one look at a brutal dictator and concludes, hmm, I wish I could rule like him. In fact, Ahaz so liked the cut of Tiglath-Pileser's jib that he brought the warlord's authoritarian tactics home. Ahaz closed the schools and, and local temples in Judah. Ahaz tore furniture out of the temple in Jerusalem and replaced it with an altar that he had seen in Damascus. And then Ahaz burned one of his own sons alive on that altar as a sacrifice to the Assyrian god Moloch. When Isaiah writes that the Judean people lived in a land of deep darkness, he wasn't engaging in hyperbole. Under Ahaz, the kingdom of Judah was governed by bloodthirsty ignorance, and its people were all but consumed by despair. With all this in mind, Isaiah's promised alternative may have sounded attractive. Instead of dishing up terror, the new king would calmly craft policies that would enable people to flourish. The new ruler would be a counselor of wonders. Now, what might that look like? I don't ask this question out of idle curiosity. Couldn't we all use a little more wonder in our lives? In recent weeks, the tally of mass shootings in this country has been difficult to process. Football players at the University of Virginia, Club Q in Colorado Springs, the Walmart in Chesapeake. These tragic locales are but a sampling of the more than 600 mass shootings that have torn the fabric of our society in the last 11 months. Now everyone here, I'm imagining, can point to the issues that have led to this terrible crisis. The social isolation and radicalization of young men by hate groups, a society-wide failure to connect troubled souls with critical mental health resources, and the availability of easy-to-procure 
assault weapons. Dealing with these overlapping problems is complex, but it's not impossible. Promoting red flag rules, providing better public education on mental illness, and restricting weaponry that ought to be exclusively in the hands of the military would be a start. But sadly, these policies cannot get a foothold in the face of political gridlock and vigorous lobbying by the gun industry. Guess what I'm saying is that while we do not sacrifice children to the Assyrian god Moloch in this country, we are not as far removed from that reality as we like to imagine. And this may explain why so many of us lean forward when some Rafiki out there lifts up a lion cub. The stakes are tremendous. Is this the one? Will this new king break the stranglehold of bloody violence, pervasive distrust, and political inertia? Could this be our wonderful counselor? Early Christians pondered these questions. And then on reading Isaiah's description of the newborn king, they got to use one of Reverend Werner's favorite words, stoked. Wait, we know who this is. We've been following a counselor of wonders. Now, at first glance, that may seem like a bit of a stretch. After all, Jesus didn't aspire to political power. He didn't sit in a government office drafting memorandums. Jesus didn't go around spouting public policy. Did he? <laughs> well, not exactly. I mean, what Jesus did was gather together a diverse group of followers and, and tell them stories about life, life abundant. What Jesus did was spend his days reaching out to broken souls and, and healing long festering wounds. What, what Jesus did was, was challenge people to love each other, to love their neighbors and their enemies and God above. Embrace a love that big, early Christians testified, and you might be surprised at the wonders that come your way. This past week, Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church hosted its first ever distribution day. <laughs> On Wednesday, volunteers acted as personal shoppers. They assisted homeless guests in selecting brand new winter coats and shoes, items donated to our outreach ministry. After trying on various sizes and styles, 68 coats found grateful owners and 59 pairs of shoes left the building on happy feet. I asked Porter Binks, our clerk of session, who volunteered to assist with and photograph distribution day what the experience was like. Oh, Scott, he replied, gentleness, gratitude, and joy were on display. It was wonderful. Of course it was. 
It's Advent, my friends. A light shines in the darkness. It's the candle of hope. It's Isaiah, that, that first Rafiki, singing, dancing, lifting up a cub for all to see. It's, it's the prophet's words still floating on the winds of, of a violent world. Do not despair, for unto us a child has been born. Take heart in, in the counsel of this newborn king, says Isaiah, and I promise you, I promise there will be wonder. Go forth from this place, my friends, to embrace Advent. And as you go, watch for wonders. Be assured they are there, slowly working their world-changing magic. And as you go, have courage. Hold fast to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, Support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.